Hello and welcome to another episode of True Wisdom. I'm joined with my co-host, Andrew. Greetings. And we are here to talk to you about wisdom in the Bible. Um, how much wisdom is actually contained in the Bible? Is that something we can calculate, Andrew? Ooh. Um, I would say that an infinite amount of wisdom is, is in the Bible. And the reason that I would calculate it that way is because the Bible points us to Christ. That's its primary purpose. And Christ is infinite. Everything about Christ is infinite. Goodness, mercy, righteousness, wisdom. Uh, so if we were going to put a number on it, that's the number that I would put. Our verse for today says, that, which by the way supports that answer too. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. You'll notice that that passage doesn't give a cap to how much you will increase in learning. And since we're going to be spending eternity, at least that's the plan, mm -hmm. that's, that yep. would lead to infinite wisdom. All right, so yep. uh, let me go ahead and pray, and we'll jump right into the lesson. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to serve you in such a way that we can learn as we serve. We pray for those listening that they will receive a blessing and um, learn how to even study deeper for themselves. Amen. Amen. So what do we got on tap today? John chapter 1. We're going to be dealing with the word. Now, this sort of goes back to what you were saying, that the Bible is pointing you to Jesus. The Word, Christ, Son of God. All right, and we're starting at verse 1, I take it? Yes, we will. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was okay, life. Okay. that is, no, 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 yeah. we'll stop. Verse, verse 4 takes us, starts to take us in a different direction, or I shouldn't say different direction, starts to expand in a particular way. Um, this is a powerful set of verses, and remember, the Gospel of John is written after John receives the Revelation. Uh, that believe okay. it or not, that's something I only learned last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we tend to we tend to assume that the Bible was written chronologically, either chronologically, you know, in the Old Testament, or in the order that you see the book. Right. Uh, that's but nice. that's not that's not the way that they were done. Um, some of the first the first five books of the Bible are largely written in sequence. But the book of Job predates those books. Mm -hmm. So that's one example. Um, in the New Testament, though, the Gospels were written. We believe that Mark is really the first Gospel written. Mm -hmm. um, the Gospels were written. And then from Roman down to, um, down to Timothy and Titus, the books were written in order of five. <laughs> that's how they were. That's how they were done in order of size. And then Hebrews, because for a while people weren't sure who did Hebrews, mm -hmm. it's clearly Paul. 
Um, so that's why Hebrews wasn't in there because it would have been further up in the front on the on account of its size. But it was left out, and then you then you do the other. So when folks were putting the Bible together, they put them together in ways that made sense to them, but had nothing to do with sequence of of the instruction or anything like that. Right? Obviously, epistles are done in their sequence um, relative to each epistle, not necessarily in terms of timing. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, the book of, the book of Revelation is written fairly late, but the book of John is written after it. Right. Okay. So the book of John, when you read John, you should bear in mind that he is still greatly impacted by this set of visions that he saw in the book of Revelation. So John goes out of his way to emphasize how awesome God, Christ is as the Son of God. Mm-hmm. That's that's his whole, you know, the book of Mark mentions the Son of God by as a title more often than the other books. But John is is kind of reminiscing on the vision, and he and he's looking back. It, it's like he learned something mm-hmm. that he didn't realize, right? And now he's going back. He's like, hold on, here are all of the entries I wrote in my diary. But now I have some perspective on them that I didn't have before. Right. So even though he walked with God, Jesus, and was considered mm-hmm. the, he writes that he was the most beloved of Jesus, but mm-hmm. it's as if he had a new understanding for everything he went through those three years he was ministering mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yes. Yeah, totally different perspective on how he looks at, at, at what transpired. All right, so we're at verse four. Mm-hmm. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man, okay, that was a section. Yes, that, that was a section. The other thing that, that um, you know, spoke about how awesome the first three verses are, but th- these three verses are very clear on emphasizing the individuality as as individuals, not necessarily, you know, when we say individuality, we tend to mean people who have totally different perspectives and different uh, views. When we talk about individuality within the Godhead, we simply mean someone with a distinct personality, mm. right? Um, the personhood of Christ as the word is different from the personhood of the Father, and yet the Word is also God, right? This is something This is something that I think hurts many of our brains, and we've done a podcast, we've done a whole series on, um, we've done a, a couple of podcasts on, on the Godhead, and I've done some in um, Rightly Divide as well. But most of the time in the New Testament, when you see God, the implication is the father. Okay. And so in verse one, it's kind of interesting because John uses the term God in slightly different ways back to back. He says, in the beginning was the word referring to Christ and the word Christ was with God, God there being the father and the word was God. He's not using God as the father here because that would be inconsistent. He's, he's saying that the word also is deity, just as the Father is deity. Mm-hmm. 
Right? I, yeah. Same was in the beginning with God. And, and everything that was made in any way, shape, or form, anything that was created, it was done by the Son of God, who is the Word. I can only imagine that after seeing the vision, because, you know, he heard, he saw miracles performed by Jesus. He saw Jesus ascending mm -hmm. into heaven. And he heard Jesus talking mm -hmm. about sitting on the right hand of God. But he literally saw it. So yeah. that takes on a whole different meaning when you see it. You can imagine it, but we know that the human imagination is limited. So when you actually see it in the glory that it was, it's obvious mm -hmm. that it had a profound effect on it. Definitely. All right, we're at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And we can only believe he's talking about himself at this point. Mm -mm. Not the Baptist. This is him or John the Baptist. Ah, no, he it's was John, John the, the Baptist, Baptist as we'll we see. yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the same mm -hmm. came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, and that's how you can determine who he was speaking of. That was mm -hmm. the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. Hold on. Mm -hmm. verse, nine, verse 9 is very important. We tend to read this as Christians. We tend to read that simply in a theological context. But if you, if you broaden it, right? If you broaden it, if you take every man to mean every man, every, all of the wisdom that anyone on this planet has that is legitimate, comes from God, whether they whether the person understands or accepts it, mm. right? All true wisdom comes of God. If Satan says anything that is accurate, that wisdom came from God. Mm. So much so, the more for people, okay. right? So when we when we follow when we look at people who are philosophers who are businessmen who are thinkers and and they and you know they come out with something that is profound and bears the, the test of time in terms of um having benefit to humanity and you look at that and you say wow that was that was profound that was wise that wisdom came from god they didn't you know they didn't make it themselves mm. it came from god that person doesn't have to be religious right and and that's a principle in scripture god created everyone god ultimately we all come, even with the, the sin and all these other kinds of things that are now factors in our existence, God set in motion the, all of the original activities that lead to people coming into the world. And God pays attention to each person that comes into the world because he desires that each person will be saved. And God is the one that gives them gifts and talents and this and that. So any wisdom they have obviously, obviously comes from God. Can it be corrupted? Does the enemy try to undermine it, use it for its advantage? Yes, all those things are true. But, but any is, good thing comes from God. And what is also true, we have the opportunity to use our gifts for good or not. Yes. Yes. Okay, what are we at? We're at verse 11. Nope, excuse me, verse 10. He was in mm -hmm. the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Pause a second. Those two verses, we tend to read them as back-to-back, really saying the same thing, but they don't. Mm -mm. He was on the planet, and the planet at large did not know him. He came to his own people who he had led in the wilderness and had made promises to and had guarded and protected, and they didn't know him. Mm -hmm. That's what verse 11 says. Verse 10 is speaking generically of every being on the planet, right? Verse 11 is more narrow. And again, take an opportunity to point this out. In the Bible, all, none, every, those are contextual words. They're always contextual words. Of course, look at me using always when Mm -hmm. describing contextual. They're contextual words. If there's no, if the context that is given to you is, if there are no exceptions that you're aware of, let me say it that way. If there are no exceptions that you're aware of, then it means exactly what you think it means in English. But if you're aware of any exceptions, then you have to factor those in, even as you look at the word in its totality. As an example, verse 10 talks about him being in the world, the world made by him, but the world knew him not. Yet let's not forget that the wise men of the mm-hmm. East saw the star and came, right? So there's an exception. If you take those few, those folks out from a worldly perspective, we have no record of otherworldly people paying attention. That's one. Within, he came unto his own, and his own received them not. But we have uh, Simeon, mm-hmm. and we have Anna, Anna who yes. were waiting for him, and yep. the shepherd, yep. right? Those exceptions... Those are clearly exceptions. The vast majority were not waiting for him. But that's how the Bible works. And so we should not get perturbed and try to make all mean more than it means when we see it. Good point. Verse 12, a text that has been burned into my head since grade school. I don't even remember the context, but I I remember memorizing it. Uh, 1 John verse Mm -hmm. 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, pause. That is also an, an expounding of the exception, right? He came unto his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him. So that would be a contrast if you had to accept verse 11 as being um, emphatic and complete. Mm-hmm. Right? But if you, if you understand that it is uh, somewhat general, generally speaking, he wasn't, Christ wasn't received. But there were exceptions. Mm-hmm. And here's how the, except, the exceptions were treated. Well, verse 14. And the word mm-hmm. was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory, excuse me, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. 
Okay, before you do 17, so 17 is a, is a critical one. Um, so here, the word was made flesh. In some sense, the divine son of God became human flesh. Mm-hmm. It is called the mystery of the incarnation. It's hard to explain. But the term made makes a lot of sense there in ways that we can't properly articulate. Okay, and and it doesn't violate. Well, I don't know. It doesn't violate verse three. Um, in fact, it makes verse three more profound. But um, everything that was made, he made everything that was made. Uh, yeah. So the incarnation is something we don't have a firm grasp on. I mean, obviously, we know that God became man, and we can say that very easily. But when you try to rationalize it. In terms of detail, yeah, that's a lot harder. It's easy to just stay at a high level and say, God became man, Christ became human, and therefore he could get tired, he needed to eat, he could die, he could feel pain, etc. Um, that's, that's what becoming human, being made flesh, did for him. And he does not lose that flesh. Mm-hmm. At least not the scars that are in it, which is a whole other mystery. But um... mm-hmm. okay, verse seventeen: For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, uh, it, it's interesting that they say the law was given by Moses. Um, because mm-hmm. God gave him the law to begin with, Moses just passed that on to the people. And most of that law existed before Moses existed. But um, Moses, through God, Moses mm-hmm. introduced the sacrificial system. But Christ, in coming... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know what? That's not even true, because there were sacrifices from the Garden of Eden. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. But, okay, so the law given by Moses is still mm-hmm. the, you can't even say the original law. Most of those things still existed. Otherwise, um, God wouldn't have, uh, there's, there's so much rules that there were before Moses. Um, right. But Moses did introduce the ceremonial system, at least with the priests and the um and the sacrifices in that manner. So that was done through that is Moses. A, that's a very good point. Right. That's a very good point. If, if you're, in order for us to look at this, the law was given by Moses, the grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay, so you have these two phrases that are contrasted. What law? Because the, if you say the, the um, if you say the moral law. Oh, no. And that's a problem because then that means that until Moses, there was people could no do whatever law. they wanted with impunity. And we know that was right. True. In which case, what is Joseph saying? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It's like, dude, you're a few hundred years early. There's nothing going on there. Right. Right. Um, and it would also imply that Jesus isn't interested in the law, which many people do interpret this passage. Mm-hmm. That way. I've had those conversations. Right. So the law. Moses received multiple things at Sinai. 
he did receive the Ten Commandments. No way to deny that. But he also received a ton of statutes and judgments that were essential for running Israel as a theocracy. And he received the formal ceremonial system, right? He received the priesthood. Mm -hmm. Because until that time, as much as the patriarchs dealt with sacrifices and so forth, they did not have a priesthood. And yet priests did exist. Oh, yeah, Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. Right? But that's why, that's why Jesus' high priestly ministry is after the order of Melchizedek. So that priesthood predated the Israelite priesthood. Right. And, um, and it, there's, it's not simply based on heredity. Or lineage, yes. So, yeah. Right. The law, Moses was the mediator of the law. He was the one through whom the law came. Now, you made a comment at the beginning that God gave it to Moses. But if, if you remember the book of Revelation, what does it say? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. So at the end of the day, God has given everybody everything. But the people who are given, whoever is deputized or established or anointed or appointed, that's who the Bible focuses on. That's mm -hmm. who God focuses on. Mm -hmm. So Moses is called the lawgiver. That's mm -hmm. how we read about him in the Bible. He's called the lawgiver because it was his responsibility to dispense the law to the people. Um, similarly, Christ is the one who gives the revelation, right? He, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ who the Father gave. So it's consistent. Grace and truth came by Jesus in the same way that Moses is the mediator of the law that God originated, but dispensed to the people through Moses. Grace and truth were dispensed through Jesus to the people, but it originates from God as well. Mm -hmm. Okay? And it's not as though, it's not as though grace and truth didn't exist in the time of Moses, right. nor is it that the Lord doesn't exist in the time of Christ. These things are dispensed specifically by these particular agents that God selected to minister in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Very awesome word. Okay. All right, verse 18. No man mm -hmm. had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. That's, you know, when I first recognized what that verse implied, this verse by itself tells you that the God of the Old Testament is Christ. Any person at any point in the Bible who was seen and people said, this is God, I have seen God, I have come face to face with God, had to be the Son of God just on account of this verse. No man had seen the Father at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared the Father. So... Then who did Moses see? When Moses just saw the passing by the of, of God. God. That is God. interesting. Son of God, right? And that's why it says he hath declared him. Because remember in that instance in Exodus 34, when God passes before Moses, he says, God, the Lord God, merciful in this. Why does he seem like he's speaking in the third person? Exactly. Because he hath declared him. Mm -hmm. That's 
when when Christ as a son of God who is himself God but speaks of the father like God Christ represented the father in almost all of his interactions right right if you've seen so, me you've seen the father if you've seen me you've seen the father he said that primarily of his earthly ministry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he was he was saying it more broadly because when he went remember when we did the the podcast about um Abraham and and yes. Isaac on Mount Moriah yes and he says and I'm going to I'm going to get the quote cuz I want to I want to say it with um I want to say it with emphasis Genesis 21 um 22, correction. He says in verse, verse 20, 22, let's start at uh, 2211. And this is helpful because it says the angel of the Lord called out, right? And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said unto Abraham, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. You're like, huh? Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. <laughs> right? Weird, weird use of the language. But it tells you in these two verses that the angel of the Lord is himself the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that the person who's speaking is speaking on behalf of the Father, which is why he uses the language in the first person and in the and in the um, third and in the third person, right? And it when we go back to John, now it makes sense. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Christ has always been the intermediary between us and the Father. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Bible speaks so much of we will get to see his face. We will get to see the Father's face, because that's the thing we haven't seen. Even in vision, people didn't get to see God's face. They always saw him enshrouded in some way. Right. A bright light... uh... They mm-hmm. just knew who he was. Mm-hmm. So we're at verse 19 of John 1. And this is the record of John. When the priests sent, when excuse me, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. And they said unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And they asked him, get to 28. Mm-hmm. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then? If thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet. John answered and said 
answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to loose, unloose. These things were done in Beth, Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Okay. Now, it's interesting. They ask if he's Christ, if he's Elias. Or that Elijah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you know what that the reference to that prophet is? Actually, I don't. Okay. That prophet. Jeremiah? No. Nope. Here's, here's the reference. You were searching for it. You would search for the term that prophet. Now, there are a couple of places where that phrase comes up. Um... There's a couple of places where that phrase comes up, but they are not the one that we want. The one we want is in Deuteronomy 18.15. And here's what Moses says in Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. Mm. And so they referred to that person as that prophet. Now, here's the interesting thing. You notice the way in which they're asking this question. Are you the Christ? No. Are you Elias? No. Are you that prophet? Okay. You know why they're asking about Elias, right? Right. Consider Malachi. Right. Malachi. Um, Four, verse five. Actually, let's do four and five. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, Jesus points out that John the Baptist is the promise of Elijah. Mm -hmm. The Jews were asking and expecting that Elijah would come again. And this was an easy expectation to make because Elijah had been translated, so he wasn't dead. Right. Okay. And so he's like, no, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not the Christ. And no, I'm not that prophet. But but these guys don't realize that that prophet and the Christ are the same entity. So it goes to show that even though these brethren were looking at the prophecy and aware on some level, they didn't understand. I'm not saying John the Baptist didn't understand. It's not clear from the passage whether he understood or not, and I'm not going to assume that he didn't. But clearly the people asking him the question did not understand. All right. Okay. Well, that is the end of that section. Yes, it is. It's a very intricate, important part. You said we can leave it at that? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. That is a very important, I know we focus so much on 1-1, but there's so much that's unpacked here for people to understand who exactly Christ is and what part he he plays and why he's different from any other prophet who roamed this earth. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you read 1-1 and 1-14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and the glory we beheld. And dwelt among us. Right. Was the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth, right? So he was dispensing grace and truth. Yeah, that's it's one of those mysteries we don't understand. He is begotten of the Father, and yet nothing that was made was made without him. It's it's something that we just don't understand in our human capacity. We do not understand how that whole thing works. Well, it, I mean, there's two things. Begotten doesn't necessarily mean what we think it does because of divine, because divine entities are involved. And as we studied when we looked at Hebrews 1, the timing of begotten, we, we assumed that the timing of begotten is before the incarnation, and there's nothing in the Bible to suggest that it is. You could say, well, look, they're calling him begotten before he comes, but sure, they also call him in Revelation the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and he clearly was only slain 2,000 years ago. So language, when used with the deity, should not be we should not expect it to work exactly the same way as when language is used with humanity because of necessity, divinity is much higher than humanity. Mm-hmm. All right. So why don't you close us out with prayer? Will do. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the instruments that were used to communicate to us these profound and sublime truths of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to study for ourselves, to understand it, grant us the wisdom we need to grasp this and to live in harmony with your will. We ask you to help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we continue to let you know you're free to write in to us about any questions or comments you have about these podcasts that we have done. We have quite a bit that you can look up. You can look back and see what we've discussed. You can find them at truewisdom.buzzsprout.com. If you want to email us, you can reach us at truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com or reach us via Twitter at truewisdom underscore pod. Um, and Andrew, you can also look up his podcast named... Rightly, Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. And that's found at biblestudy.asbzone.com. And uh, all of our podcasts are on all of the major podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and much, much more. So we look forward to hearing from you, and we pray you will be blessed.